Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. Happy Monday, Sports Animals time again now on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, a lot of big things uh, happened over the weekend, uh, lots of stuff to talk about today, including uh, UH basketball falling short yesterday to Nevada. But, wow, what a great game. That was fun to watch. It was an exciting game in the first half, back and forth. There were something like 10 lead changes, five ties, back and forth. You could tell it was going to go down to the wire. Both teams doing a great job. Second half was really exciting as well. As Well, well both thing, teams doing a great job. I wouldn't say so I'm, when it came to, like, three-point sh- shots. I'm not doing like, um, Go ahead, Gary. <laughs> I said they were doing a really good job until you the second. You said both teams did a really good job. <laughs> uh, yeah, they did. All right, uh, we move on. Iolani Classic starts today. A lot of big mainland schools coming down. St. John Bosco, one of the nationally ranked teams. Christ the King from New York. Uh, DeMatha, where Kevin Durant played from Washington, D.C. A lot of really good teams. And, of course, a lot of good teams from Hawaii. St. Louis tonight will get St. John Bosco, and we'll have that broadcast with Josh Pacheco on the call on CBS 1500, I believe. All right, uh, Texas wins the national championship in women's volleyball again. Congratulations to local ladies, uh, Keone Le Akana and Devin Kahahavai, uh, both from Kamehameha, now national champs. Second year in a row, back-to-back, and Nebraska comes in as the number one seed, and they are a great, great team, and they have one of the best programs every year. Led the country in attendance with 12,000, and watching both of those semifinals, I couldn't really tell who was going to win, but Texas pulls a slight upset, and back-to-back always sounds nice. Yeah, it does, and, you know, not only did they win, they swept them, and I think it was in front of 19,000 people, some, some kind of record. Yeah, it's been a lot of fans there. And again, more and more people are attending women's volleyball and uh, getting great exposure on national television across the country and some great teams. And it's definitely picking up in popularity. Uh, big day for uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa yesterday uh, against the Jets. He kind of rebounded. But then again, it was against the Jets. Kaimi Fairbairn is a hero in Houston with a game-winning field goal in overtime. And... Look out, Marcus Mariota might be starting tonight for the Eagles. Yeah, I see Jalen Hurts listed as questionable. Another report said he's probably not going to play. And if either of those are true, then, yeah, it'll be Marcus Mariota in his first start as a Philadelphia Eagle. And they still need this game. Uh, they got to hold off Dallas in the NFC East, still trying to get home field advantage throughout and maybe that bye. So this is a really big game for Philadelphia. And, of course, for Seattle, they could use it to stay in the playoff hunt. Kaimi Therban was on the injured list for a while, and his replacement did a pretty good job. So it was great to see him come back. They go back to him and four for four, no missed field goals, and that game winner was pretty nice. Yeah, 153-yarder, 154-yarder, that was the one to win it. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was great to see. And I happened to turn 
turn on the TV just as they were kind of uh, lining up to do that. I said, oh, perfect timing. But, hey, there's a team that's been, you know, one of the, uh, the players, not surprises, but, you know, when you have disappointments, you know, you have um, good stories in the NFL. For example, the Jets, disappointing that Aaron Rodgers got hurt. The whole league was waiting for him to start. Houston Texans, one of the nice stories this year, doing very well. I think it's maybe the biggest surprise in the NFL. I mean, you get a rookie head coach on one of the worst teams in football last year, and right now not only are they 8-6, and six, but they're tied for the division lead. Uh, I, I think Ryan, uh, D'Amico Ryan going to get coach of the year the way they've been playing, and they could and maybe should make the playoffs the way they've been going. That's a fantastic story. I think the Cleveland Browns, without uh, you know, without their starting quarterback, that's another great story. Yeah. They're saying on ESPN, Kevin Stefanski, maybe coach of the year. Yeah, yeah, I think both guys are probably in the running, especially because what their teams went through last year and what they went through early this year, especially with Cleveland. Like you said, I think they've got four starting quarterbacks with Joe Flacco, and they're nine and five. That's incredible. Right. Uh, well, another big disappointment so far in the NFL. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, it's just crazy how bad they are but, on offense. Yeah, and but, it makes them look worse on defense because the defense is out there the whole time. The offense is three and out every single time. Still, Kenny Pickett is not the man. Not yet, but seven and seven for a team that doesn't really have much of an offense is pretty good. For example, the Jets don't. The Jets have scored even fewer points than Pittsburgh by only twenty-two, but they're only five and nine. Where Pittsburgh at least has a chance for a wild card spot. Right, but the Jets are a perennial bad football team, a bad organization. They haven't won a Super Bowl since 1969. The Steelers are used to being winners, and this is being at 7-7 seven and seven, and you're quote-unquote still in the hunt for the playoffs? Ah, that's not where Steeler fan want, fans want to be. That's not where we're used to. No, again, if I had it right, they haven't won a playoff game, I believe, since 2016, so they wow. haven't had a lot of success lately either. Wow. But you're I right, their standards are a lot crazy. higher than the Jets. All right, uh, let's go back to UH basketball last night. Finish what you were saying? Well, about the three-pointers is that I think in the first half, shots were falling. Both teams shot really well. Second half, and again, I've never seen this that I can recall in a college basketball game, neither team hit a three in the second half. That is something that is very rare. It's one thing for one team to be off. It's another for both. And Hawaii only attempted four threes in the second half. I think a lot of that was due to Nevada's length, their size, their really big guards, which really, and you can see it, frustrated Juan Munoz and Jovan McClanahan. Those guys had a very, very difficult time getting shots off and even less likely to fall. McClanahan didn't make a field goal, only took four shots. Juan Munoz only took three shots. And he made one of those threes. Those guards really made it difficult, and that's why one of the reasons why Hawaii struggled on threes. Right, you could see that. Uh, well, so did, and Nevada struggled on threes as well. Both teams really. But you, when you had when you had Keenan Blackshear and these guys coming out, I mean, they were challenging the threes. They were they scouted Hawaii really well. I was reading in the newspaper this morning how their whole plan was to shut down Hawaii's guards. And, um, well, at least our point guards, and they certainly did that. They definitely Juan Munoz did. has been listed as it, uh, he's listed as three. Let's, how many turnovers did Juan have? It says three, but I counted four because he had three in the first half. He had two at halftime they had him down for, I remember. I know that's what they had him down for, but I counted three because I was, uh, um, if our show uh, student section is online with Juan on YouTube if you guys want to watch it. But because I, I took particular interest in it, I remember yelling to my wife, that's his third turnover. 
But uh, anyway, that was a that was a good game. That was a good test for the University of Hawaii. It could have gone either way. If these teams now, I don't know how we would do if we played in Nevada, but I mean, if these teams, if, if, if Hawaii plays Nevada at home, Hawaii wins. I think six out of four of those games. Six if you out play of ten four? games, if you win, if you win, uh, if they play ten games, Hawaii goes six and four against Nevada. I, I think at home. I mean, we, we could have won that game. I, I mean, just I, all of a sudden. I mean, it, the threes aren't falling. I think the turnovers were. Uh, especially crazy at bad times, especially those last two at the end of the game. Yeah, McCoy gets caught, he gets loose the ball on a steal, and then McLanahan for a double dribble late in the game. Those are those are really tough to take, especially when you had a chance to tie the game, only down by three at that time. Nevada, I mean, they're not a great three-point shooting team, but they probably would shoot better than their three for 14 also. Uh, they were not much better than Hawaii at three of 17. These teams are good. Nevada looks like they're an NCAA tournament team, and it was a really good test. I don't want to say Hawaii passes, but they did show that they can play with a really good mid-major team and an NCAA tournament caliber team that had a net ranking of, I believe, 49th going into the game yesterday. So I'm not upset that they lost. I'm, I'm saddened a little because it was a tough game to lose and that you had a chance at the end and you had some leads. They just couldn't get back over that hump late. And when you finally got it to a one-possession game, you turned the ball over. They only had four turnovers at halftime, and they had double that eight in the second half. Like you said, a couple of them really critically in the last few seconds on that last possession. That was tough. But it was an exciting, intense basketball game, and hopefully we're in store for a lot more of that this weekend in Big West play. You know, the uh, defensively, I think Hawaii played very, very well. Uh, you know, they keyed on Keenan Blackshear, and, and I don't know what his average was. 16. But- but, yeah, they held him to 12 points. But he was frustrated. And, tw- you know, two of those came at the end of the game on free throws. So they did a uh, good job against Blackshear. That kid, Nick Davidson, uh, wow, that guy, is was he a sophomore, freshman, something like that? I think he might have been a freshman. Nick Davidson was a great player. These guys were a lot faster, you could tell, than uh, some of the other guys that Hawaii would has played this year. When you see Jovan McClanahan, you know, a lot of times you'll see him uh, go amongst the trees and try for a you know, quick layup. Uh, this time he got blocked I don't know how many times, but they weren't having it. They could keep up with him. They were athletic enough where he couldn't muscle in and get a, you know, a, a, a layup in there. I thought that um, uh, Bernardo Da Silva, not only because he had a double-double, but Bernardo Da Silva, he came out as a full-grown man. Him and also more sec. It's like they came out and they played angry. That was fun to watch. The problem, too, I think one of our problems, too, was we got into foul trouble. Really, uh, you know, that kind of did us in. But Bernardo did great. I mean, especially in the first half, at least, with uh, more sec. He only played 11 minutes here, I see. That must have mostly come in, I guess, in the first half. I don't know. But he played really well when he came in. A couple of blocks right away. You see those? Yeah, of course I saw those. Uh, he was doing a good job. One of the things about Bernardo that was good in the first half is that he got a couple of and ones. And that's something he wasn't really capable well, he was capable of but didn't do last year as much where he could really go up strong and at least draw contact. And in those cases last night, he made both of those baskets. The problem was his free throw shooting. Uh, he did hurt Hawaii. He was three of eight for the, on, on free throws. And two of them were in the last five minutes of the game. And that made it really tough. I mean, they missed several free throws down the stretch. 
and that you know when you when it one and one or even a two point opportunity you got to make all of those and that really did cost them unfortunately a little bit down the stretch it, as well as uh, McClanahan as you said again he was really frustrated they took him out of his game offensively and, and at halftime he didn't have an assist uh, he ended up with one assist only had two turnovers so he didn't play a bad game it was just really tough for him offensively against those big guards yeah in the second half it's like everybody missed free throws in the second half for hawaii so it's really the missed free throws the foul trouble the lack because we're a three-point shooting team and so the lack of three-pointers uh kind of uh, did us in but again you know what if if you know if that's any uh indication of what it's going to be like coming up for the hawaiian airlines diamond head classic presented by the hawaiian islands uh it's going to be a, a great week coming up for hawaii basketball it should be and they wouldn't need they wouldn't beat nevada until the last day they, they're in the opposite sides of the bracket so actually you might get a tcu nevada semifinal. uh that would be a great game but yeah they wouldn't meet until then but i wouldn't mind seeing a rematch on christmas christmas eve i should say Right. we got a break coming up in a, a couple of minutes here. Any other thoughts on the game last night? Well, I, again, I, one thing about Morris Sec is, you know, I thought he played aggressively, and I don't like second-guessing coaches. I'd like to find out the answer to this. But in the end of the game, when Bernardo fouled out, Harry Ruliadef came in for him. And I was a little surprised. I, I thought that. I figured you needed a little bit more size. I know Morissette had four fouls, but it was less than two minutes left. And then what he run, ended up doing, Cole, Mal, Cole Malsoff sitting beside me called it, why don't they put him in for a defensive-offensive substitution? As soon as Cole did. said that, then Moore got off the bench like a Ron hurt us or hurt Cole. And then he went in for defense versus offense. But that didn't determine the outcome of the game. I thought Matthew Cotton had a really good first half. And on the Rainbow Warrior countdown, I predicted him to be the H-factor player of the game with Josh, meaning the player who would have a big impact with victory. He had those two threes in the first half, one of them a banker from the baseline. We used to call those phony bankers. But he was really, really aggressive offensively in that first half. That was good to see. Didn't do as much second in the second right. half offensively, though. No, he didn't. But it was a – it was a. Uh, it could have gone either way. Harry Ruliadef, when he came in the game, I thought to myself, and, you know, I'm no basketball expert, but I, I remember him getting burned twice underneath the basket like on spin moves and stuff and i'm thinking you, you why are you putting harry in harry's harry i mean especially with the way that more sec was playing but you know and then they did put him in for uh you know like you said defensive purposes you can see but i i think i would have put him in sooner but i don't think harry hurt us while he was out there for those couple of minutes right well i don't he didn't help towards the end of the game i mean he didn't help but yeah again it wasn't where one player did anything that bad where he got burned that much uh i, I think maybe he had a little bit more quickness down low is what maybe iran was thinking on offense and he's maybe a little bit more skilled well he is more skilled offensively than more at sec still i thought the size would have been a difference maker uh and again that didn't determine the outcome but i was happy with what Moore did while in there it was just unfortunate he couldn't do it more more often and then for juan muñoz it was an off game for him and he's entitled to that but again i think it was nevada's big guard that made it really frustrating for hawaii's guard i don't think we'll see a backcourt that big in big west play you might have one six six guard but six 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 four and as good as those guys were i mean it was jared lucas who was juan was covering uh jovan was covering excuse me because he was the shorter of the guards, even though he's a two guard and he was on the Oregon State team a few years ago that went to the final four and he was kind of taking advantage of Juan he was posting him up down low and I think he took a little bit of Juan's offense away by making him work so hard on defense 
So he did a really good job, and you could see they were attacking Jovan or even Juan Munoz if he was covering him anytime they could because they did have that advantage with the side and the fact that he could post them down low. So Jared Lucas was pretty good for Oregon State, even though he shot, well, shot pretty good 5 of 12, not too bad, and was their lead yeah. scorer. You know, there was that part on um, Moore's second block that Moore had. It was, uh, the guy was, I don't know who the Nevada player was, but I remember him kind of posting up on uh, Jovan McClanahan, guys like a foot taller than him. And then, uh, you know, of course, you know, Jovan can't block it. And then um, Morissette leaves his man, comes up, perfectly timed block underneath the basket. It was awesome, man. Well, that's one thing I've said all year is that they've got to have more help and better rotation down low to help guys like that. It did work last night, but there were, that play, there were a few others where they got burned on it, though, without any help. You know, the uh, defense of what he played was good. I mean, sometimes they were at man. They went into a zone, and I thought they would stay into a zone later on in the game a little bit more because, you know, they're challenging uh, um, Nevada to kind of shoot over their zone, and Nevada was having a Horrible night of three-pointers. But they were getting in the lane, and Blackshear, for one, was getting in those baseline jumpers, not the baseline, the fadeaway jumpers in the paint. They went to the zone because they were in foul trouble, and mm. they wanted to keep those guys around a little bit more. But then Nevada started hitting shots, even though they weren't threes, obviously, and I think that's why they went back to the man. I would have liked to have seen the zone a little bit longer, but I understand when they did it. It definitely was a smart move. Yeah. Uh, anyway, hey, uh, you want to chime in? Go ahead, 808 296 1420, you got the sports animals here on ESPN Honolulu. We'll see what Kavika Hallams has to say from Spectrum Sports. He joins us next here on this Kahala Monday with the sports animals on ESPN Honolulu. You can upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores or at kahala.com. Good morning, efforting to get our uh, guest uh, on the air here with us. If anyone sees uh, Kavika Hallams, tell him that we have an appointment with him this morning. Uh, Weather-wise today, it's going to be partly cloudy today and tomorrow. We've got a few showers here and there. Uh, high about 80, low around 70. Uh, so enjoy the Christmas weather while it lasts. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman with you on ESPN Honolulu. And Tua Tonga-Vailoa and the New York Jets. Uh, beat the New York Jets. It was 30 to nothing. Uh, Zach Wilson was not the Zach Wilson we saw last week. Was he, Did he get hurt yeah. or was he just playing bad? No, he oh, got he got hurt. hurt. Okay. Yeah. So what happened? I don't even remember what injury it was. I mean, that that, in, that game did not really interest me except for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. But right. Jack, uh, Zach Wilson got hurt early in that game. He was only 4 of 11 for 20, uh, 26 yards. And right. I have to find out what the injury was, but he got uh out early and it yeah because i saw i thought worse. i saw in sports center last night they said he got injured and in, in the newspaper article it says he was four for 11 with 26 yards before being replaced with trevor trevor simeon so it sounds like he was just playing bad but he was hurt right as a concussion is what they're saying with the concussion oh. uh, miami did sack totally a total with the jets quarterback six times 
So 103 yards of offense, not much more than what they had on Black Friday when they played in uh, New York and the Jets were equally as bad. 23 rushing yards. Uh, who had Brees Hall on his fantasy team? Oh, yeah, my opponent, Mark Veneri. <laughs> I had Baker Mayfield as my starting quarterback. It seemed to work out yesterday. Yeah, he had a really good game. He definitely did. Uh, he did. I mean, is Baker Mayfield a starting quarterback? Is I mean, like next year. I mean, is he going to be a starting? Is he, or is it? He's just a kind of a band aid until they find somebody else. I think when they I signed wonder. him, they probably thought he was a band aid. But I mean, how can you not give him a chance? I mean, he's not right. Everybody, I mean, I put him down. We've all put him down. But he's not that bad of a quarterback. He's not Sam Darnold bad. Uh, he's much better than a lot of other quarterbacks. Well, not much better. He's not the worst quarterback. He's not in the top ten or fifteen. You know but what? He's about average. But you know what? He's healthy. Ah, how many? Mm. How many? Look at look at your uh, your 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 passing leaders. I've just got the star advertiser open here, but your passing leaders uh, of the yesterday are made up. Three of the five are Nick Mullins, Jake Browning, and Joe Flacco. I mean, everybody's got these backup quarterbacks. Who's who's got a besides Tua Tagovailoa? Who's got a starting quarterback playing still? I saw a list the other day. I think there's like nine quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks that have been injured, many of them for the year or at least four weeks, not just a week or two. The Giants have lost two quarterbacks. The Jets have lost a quarterback. You can go down the list. The Chargers have lost a quarterback. The Cardinals have lost a quarterback. The Vikings have lost a quarterback. I mean, I could go on and on. So I think, you know, if you had um, a quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, as an example, like Baker Mayfield, he would make them a better offense than they are yes. right now, just as one example. Right. Okay, so here's the teams with starting quarterbacks. Uh, okay, in the AFC East, you have two in Josh Allen and Tua Tagovailoa. In the NFC East, uh, if you look tonight and Jalen Hurts doesn't start, you'll have one starting quarterback in Dak Prescott. Yeah. The Baltimore Ravens have um, – um, Lamar. Oh, gosh. Lamar. Lamar Jackson. Sorry. Thank you. Lamar Jackson. And there's one starting quarterback in the NFC North. Uh, excuse me, the AFC North. The NFC North, you've got one, two, three starting quarterbacks. The Chicago Bears, correct me if I'm wrong, is Jay, is he still the, the starter? He, he hasn't started every game, though, so I think mm -hmm. he'd be one of the guys. At least, he, I mean, he'd been injured this year. I think I'm not I, Okay, but I'm getting at just this this week. So oh, okay, you got the Bears and the Lions and the Packers. So that's that's the most right there. The Houston Texans, I can't remember. Did did their rookie quarterback get hurt? Well, C.J. Stroud. He got hurt. He's out yesterday. Okay, and so, so there I you think go. Davis Mills is there for them. Indianapolis now. Colts are playing with Gardner Minshew, my absolute favorite backup quarterback. Uh, looks like the Jacksonville Jaguars next week are going to maybe be starting without Trevor Lawrence for the first time in his career because of concussion protocol. The Tennessee Titans, is that guy, is the guy from Kentucky still playing? Will Levis, yes. Yeah, Will Levis. He got okay. hurt yesterday, but he still played. Gotcha. The Atlanta Falcons, there's, man, there's a lot of guys uh, without, a lot of guys without their starting quarterbacks and guys whose starting quarterbacks shouldn't be starting quarterbacks. Like Justin Fields, who did start, but he was 19 of 40, so he didn't really do much. Might have well gone with a backup. Yeah. <laughs> but at least the Cardinals got their starting quarterback back in Kyler Murray, although it didn't mm. really help out yesterday. Yeah. 
It didn't help out yesterday. Brock Purdy is healthy. That's a good sign. Uh, Geno Smith is not the Geno Smith we had last year. Anyway, I'm not going to go down yeah. every team, although I pretty much did. But, yeah, so many injuries to starting quarterbacks. Another thing I wanted to uh, bring up, too, since uh, uh, maybe we'll get in touch with Kavika Hallams later, is that did you see the, 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 the rant that Sean Payton had yeah. with uh, Russell Wilson on the sideline? I mean, Sean Payton's, I mean, I thought his head was just going to fall off. I thought his, his neck was going to, the veins in his neck were going to explode. What was that all about? I, do, I didn't see it live or anything, but it's all over the Internet. And yeah. it's, just, it's, it's, it's almost like, Sean Payton, you're kind of making a fool out of yourself. You know how stupid you look? Just totally lost it. He did. He did. I was a little surprised that Russell Wilson didn't really react or respond right away, which is smart. You don't want to make it look worse than it is. But Russell Wilson is a veteran. You don't usually chew out veterans like that, or you're going to get a little bit of it back. So that surprised me in one way. And I know some people were trying to lip read and, uh, you know, get it into actual print what he said. Nobody did it yet as far as I know. It was something about a misread or something or a mispass. I thought it was an offsides. It was an offside? Offsides penalty. Well, they, that That's was, what it, it says in ESPN. Well, in that game there was that offside that Denver got called on when nobody was offside. And they got screwed on that. They, they had a... They were in, they were in, inside the ten, and they had like three penalties in a row, I think, or something weird, a lost yardage, and then they finally get down onto the one, and they call it offside, and they get a touchdown, but they call it back, and that was one of the worst calls among many that the NFL referees have had this year, let alone the last week or two. That so why would so why would Sean Payton be yelling at? that russell wilson about that if they weren't offside shouldn't he be yelling at somebody else i didn't know that he was yelling at him about that and you might be right i, I, I i'm just reading what yeah. espn mm-hmm. writes that's all uh it, it might have been the series of offsides going uh up to on that yeah but they had penalties the, before they had some reaction from guys like teddy bruski who says dude as a quarterback you got to get back in his face it, it, a lot of former players on the whatever panel that show is they were like, yeah, Russell Wilson, you don't just sit there and take it. I mean, one of the things uh, one of the guys said was that, uh, you know, Sean Payton was basically, by yelling at Russell Wilson, he's yelling at the whole team. But at the same time, if I'm Russell Wilson, I take off my helmet, I go right up to his face and go, like they said, and I'm just copying what they're, because I agree with what Teddy Bruschi said, hey, shut up and let me do my job. Shut up. You just shut up. Get away from me. That's the leader. Of that then you're the leader of the team. Mm, that's true. Right now, mm. right? You, you know, you're. It's, look, Russell Wilson is playing well this year. Russell Wilson is one of the reasons they're in. Uh, they're in a playoff contention. Sean Payton has mes- messed it up. He's messed it up. This whole, you know, last year was a total. Well, that was on Russell Wilson too. But who knows what went on? He Part wasn't of, there last year. Coaching or something. Sean Payton wasn't there last year. No. Russell Wilson was there last yeah, year. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Russell Wilson last year was horrible. And Sean Payton this year, I believe they started out slow. They did. They were really bad. They won six out of their last eight now. Even right. with the loss yesterday, they were six out of seven. People are giving yesterday. Russell Wilson the credit for that, not necessarily Sean Payton. Right. So I think at that point, when you're, you're, you're the guy's yelling at you on national TV, I'm sure it was on national TV, he's yelling at you on, t- on television, you got to step up and show everybody, look, 
this is my team, brother. You're the coach, but you know what? If it comes down to them wanting to fire somebody, ain't going to be me. I bet he wanted to, even though he didn't. You can almost feel it in him that he probably wanted to say a lot to him. Uh, and I guess he took the high road. Uh, even in the Jets game, Garrett Wilson went off on Aaron Rodgers yelling at him. I don't think he was yelling at him, but he was yelling to him. And Aaron Rodgers just chewed his gum and looked straight ahead and didn't even acknowledge it. Robert Sala, five feet away, did the same thing. Uh, he was just frustrated. He didn't get a target in the first half of that game yesterday. And I'd, I would imagine it well, was part of the along problem is look at the quarterbacks. True. I mean, you mentioned uh, uh, Mason Rudolph is going to be the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the people, the crowd is chanting Mason Rudolph's name. <laughs> I don't know what they ever thought. I don't know what they ever thought. They're like, yeah, let's go out and get Mitch Trubisky. And oh my gosh, the only thing worse than Kenny Pickett is Mitch Trubisky. Welcome to my life as a Jets fan or as a football fan, getting second-rate quarterbacks year in year out. Yeah. All right. It's uh, 733 with the sports animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Got the Eolani Classic. That and more coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Seven thirty-eight in the Aloha State with the animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Happy holidays to you. Now, we saw the uh, Eolani tournament with the girls uh, a few days ago. Uh, the champion was Sidwell Friends. And on, on their jerseys, it just said Sidwell. Yeah. I think it would be cool if you just had friends on the jersey. <laughs> yeah. Because it would be anything but when you're playing them. Man, they were good. So the boys' side starts up uh, today, this afternoon, at Iolani. Come Mehameha Maui is going to face a team from Georgia called Pace Academy. I don't know much about either team here, but that's how they're going to start it out. I've heard the name, and I'm not very familiar Come with Come Maui, I've yeah, heard, heard that, that too. A but... Little bit. but one thing you know for sure, and everybody listening does, the teams that come down here for the Iolani Classic, they are some of the top, some of the top teams in the country or their state, but they're not bringing, you know, a group of five high school team here. I, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody. I'm trying to compliment the tournament. It has the best teams around. You don't get a bottom feeder out of the mainland schools coming here, so I know they're going to be legit like everybody else. Okay, Iolani is going to uh, start off uh, at 4.30 this afternoon against Kauai High. Now, we've heard of them, but one, and, you know, it's obvious. I'm not, you know, telling you anything you don't, well, you already know it, but Iolani in this tournament being the home team, like a lot of home teams in their tournaments, high school and college, they will probably get the uh, easier path to the second round. You know, Hawaii is playing Portland in the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic presented by the Hawaiian Islands. They are the lowest team on paper coming into this tournament. For Iolani, they're not playing a mainland school in the first round. They will after this, but they do get a little easier path uh, in the first round. That's how it's been forever, as far as I can recall. All right, we'll see how Kamehameha does against, I, I love this, Christ the King. What? Well, you get more powerful, powerful... <laughs> name than that well, christ the king one who of the, are you playing christ the king one of the best high school programs for a long long time kenny, oh yeah kenny anderson from uh went to georgia tech and of course in the nba was on our show last year he, he was a pretty school. good uh, quarterback for the cincinnati bengals he back was in the day, before too. he transitioned to basket uh <laughs> he played there there i think sue bird went there as well on the women's side but they've had a number of play, uh, plays i might be wrong but uh, lamar odom might have gone there and he went to a lot of high schools, so it might be one of oh, them. Yeah. But they are usually one of the powers out of New York City, I believe, in Queens. 
All right. And then uh, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, Dan Hale and his St. Louis squad go up against St. John Bosco. And this is, these guys are just as good in basketball as football, I hear. Yeah, I, I don't know any of the players that have gone to the pros from there have been really great college players, but they are, like you said, one of the top programs year in, year out as well. They're from California, so makes sense to bring them down. And going up against the defending state champ, that should be a great matchup tonight. We'll have that game on radio as well. And even tomorrow, I'm looking forward to DeMatha versus Mililani. Now, Mililani might not be as good in basketball as they are in football, but they're good. No, they're pretty. They're pretty. They're good. They've been good. They've been good the last couple of years. Yeah, they're usually a state tournament team for sure. Uh, DeMatha is the high school, I believe, where Kevin Durant went, and he played here in this tournament with DeMatha. They usually come every other year. They've been coming for a long time to this tournament out of the Washington, D.C. area. Very good uh, high school program. They're very good. The students are very good with numbers at that school because – I remember they're like, oh, what's your favorite subject? They're all, uh, DeMatha. I love DeMatha. <laughs> Not sense. so much the science. Not so much. <laughs> they're good in um They're Italian people down there. I like DeMatha, <laughs> not the science. Uh, I didn't even realize there were that many teams. Yeah, so, okay, so the uh, so from we mentioned Kamehameha, St. Louis, Kauai, and Maui, uh, Kamehameha, Maui. So in this tournament, Kaimukim, Wanalua, Mililani, and Midpack are also playing. Do you know anything about these mainland teams playing tomorrow being the Masters Academy from Florida? Yes. LaShawn from Missouri. Uh, we know you told us about DeMatha. Oak Ridge from Florida. Wow, that's a that's a flight. The one school I have heard of is Masters Academy. They're one of those private schools, almost like Oak Hill, where they I believe they recruit players from out of state. So it's not like you live in the area or even necessarily live in the state. That's one of those. So like schools. IMG type of yeah, deal. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like academy, just like that. As far as as far as how they get their players, just I don't think many of their players are from the area there, and they've been a really good program over the years. Vashon, I've never heard of. Oak Ridge sounds vaguely familiar, but not very familiar with them. But again, Masters Academy, Demathova tomorrow are two of the teams that have really been uh, national powers for years and years. And again, tonight you got Christ the King, Saint John Bosco. You got a lot of really good team again i've gone i've gone since 91 or two and i saw jerry stackhouse play in it uh jacques vaughn the nets coach now was in the same tournament as jerry stackhouse every year you get future nba players in this tournament it's still one of the best if not the best in the entire country all right uh if you want uh, more details on it uh check it out iolani classic.com it's about a quarter to eight here with the animals this is espn honolulu had some bowl games uh, get off over the weekend. Fresno State from the Mountain West looking very impressive. That and more. Also your texts at 808-296-1420. Coming up with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, if you want to win some uh, prizes and maybe even $1,000 cash, play ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks. It's brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. Visit the website right now. Uh, you can register and play right away at ESPNHonolulu.com. We'll get into the transfer portal in a second here on ESPN Honolulu. It's uh, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman here. And uh, a lot of bowl games already this past weekend, but Fresno State beat New Mexico State 37-10. to And that was, you know what, I mean, that, it's the New Mexico Bowl. They were playing in New Mexico. I think New Mexico was probably favored in that game, but 
boy, they they held him to one touchdown and a field goal, and that's it. I mean, Fresno rolled. Yeah, Fresno State looked good. New Mexico State uh, been in a bowl game two years in a row under Jerry Kill, who was really yeah. upset at the New Mexico huh? uh, athletic director. He wouldn't let them practice in their indoor facility due to their quarterback sending out a picture of social media last summer of him uh, – uh, doing something on the, the logo at midfield where he was kind of relieving himself. That went viral. But Jerry Kill was off. How do you off kind of relieve yourself? Well, I didn't want to make it too graphic. You, yeah, he relieved himself and took a picture or video of it. Uh, is it Paver or Paiva, the quarterback? Diego Pavia for uh, New Mexico State. <laughs> Neither. So anyway, New Mexico State was really upset, and Jerry Kill said something to both people had to get involved. That didn't matter in the outcome of the game, but it was pretty telling how he said the AD was really bad for New Mexico, and I think he said he should get fired at some point for doing that and getting involved. But Fresno State looked good. That the, one of the problems I have with these bowl games, though, Chris, is that there are a number of teams that don't have their starting quarterbacks, as an example. Like Boise State played over the weekend against UCLA, but their quarterback is transferring, which means right. they don't have their quarterback. And there's a number of schools like that. Caleb Williams for USC we've heard about, but there's a number of schools like that. Now, Keene played for uh, Fresno State and did a really good job, and he's been their starter all year long. But um, some of the schools don't have their starting quarterback, and that's hurt them in these bowl games. Yeah, and again, it's it's something you're just going to have to get used to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Boise State lost to UCLA 35-22. to uh, Fresno State. Now, um, I don't want to get I'm back into the incident, but the the quarterback for New Mexico State did that on New Mexico State's field. Yeah, on New Mexico's field. Oh, on New Mexico's field. Yeah. So, so he's punishing the whole team by saying you can't practice in your indoor facility. Yeah. Because your quarterback made shishi on the other teams. Even field. though Fresno State was allowed to, they were supposed to go to a high school and practice may, and uh may i butt in yeah they ended yeah, up practicing in the indoor facility anyways those were just initial talks about it but they ended up practicing in the indoor facility anyway yeah, so there was the, no said, there was no practice that was inhibited no, but, but he tried to keep them out they had to get jerry kill had to get the bowl director involved to tell them hey we got to they got to let them practice you got to give them equal time so again the ad was not allowing them the bowl had to get involved to let them practice so even though they weren't mm -hmm. denied just the fact that he was taking that measure against them it really got him upset it's shishi gate now for the are uh, we running late i can't remember Tanner. yes we are Oh, okay. We took our break. I'm sorry. I lost my mind for a moment. Now I'm back. Go ahead, Gary. How was the Bermuda, uh, Bahamas? Uh, for U UCLA in that game, Darius Muisau was named the defensive MVP. So that was pretty good for him. I think he had like 11 or 12 tackles in that game. Uh, I think eight of them solo, if I have it right. But that was pretty cool to see him get defensive MVP for UCLA. Hey, do you see Jelani Tavai got an interception in the game yesterday? Patrick Mahomes was not happy about that because it was a pass <laughs> where Cardavius Tony maybe should have had, and according to Mahomes, he definitely should have. And, you know, they had three drops yesterday. They had a lot of penalties. They still won. But, yeah, uh, Mahomes was pretty upset. But great for Jelani Tavai. That was great. All right, over the weekend, now we heard uh, – let's get back to the transfer portal now. We have a few minutes here. By the way, keep listening – because we've got tickets to give away to the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic presented by the Hawaiian Islands. Uh, we've got uh, tickets to all sessions, so you can pick and choose what you want to go to uh, uh, coming up. So, okay, Matthew Shipley, uh, Hawaii's kicker and punter, 
enters the transfer portal, and it looks like he's uh, ending up in the SEC, huh? Yeah, he announced it, and he is going to Arkansas. He will sign on the dotted line in about 48 hours on Wednesday, the first day of the early signing period. But uh, he'll get some SEC NIL money, which is great for him. And he's not too far from Texas from where he grew up. Yeah, uh, I guess um, what I'm reading is that I mean, Arkansas is bad. I thought they did well the last couple of years. I guess not. About Maybe three years year ago, they, they I think they about were three pretty years good. ago. But the last this past year, they were pretty bad. Yes. Yeah, they only won. Uh, they only beat uh, who, whoever the Catamounts are. I can't remember. Uh, they beat Kent State. They beat Florida, and they beat Florida uh, International. So but one they SEC lost. win then, right? Yeah, they have one win in the SEC, so they're a pretty bad team. Now, he's going to go there and be a kicker because they already got a pretty good punter. By all of those losses, he probably got a lot of uh, playing time, the punter did. <laughs> yeah, true. But uh, Matthew Shipley, so I guess Arkansas had a really good kicker. He's making himself eligible for the NFL draft, and uh, Matthew Shipley comes in. So he's got big shoes to fill, but hopefully he gets his wish and he gets – you know, he gets a lot of money, and he gets a better look from scouts, I guess. I mean, I, I think that you could still get a good look from scouts, especially as a kicker if you're at Hawaii versus Arkansas. I'm not sure if that puts more eyeballs on him. It probably doesn't. It helps, if anything. It doesn't hurt going well, to the SEC. But you're not on one of the teams that's expected to be in a playoff, let alone maybe even getting to a bowl game. Right. And if you're playing SEC competition, I don't know how that plays out as far as how many field goal attempts they take. But I, <laughs> I feel if he was good at Hawaii – as a kicker, he'd probably get the same NFL attention as if he's a good kicker at Arkansas. Just from a distance, thinking that. Now, NIL money and having your family a half hour or hour plane ride away, that's big time for him, I'm sure. And yeah, I'm sure the NIL and, money's more. And you know what? He's Here's a guy, uh, you're not going to play in front of, you know, 8,000 people. You're going to play in front of, you know, you're playing in front of, I don't know, 70,000 people that go to Arkansas games. Probably. And uh, so, I mean, it's a little different. And, hey, good luck to him. Now, he's made um, the other – the guy who left, Cam Little, this guy – I'm reading an Arkansas newspaper. Uh, he is uh, perfect in his career. He's never missed an extra point. Wow. And uh, he's 53 out of 64 on field goals in three seasons. Uh, Matthew Shipley – is 56 of 73 field goal attempts. So he's an honorable mention guy in the Mountain West, but he's still, you know, he's 56 of 73. That's not bad, but you got to improve a lot on that average if you want to make it to the NFL. That's probably around 68, 70%, which is good, but yeah, you got to improve on that average definitely if you want to get in the pros. And there's a lot of, if you're a kicker or a punter, Hawaii's seen our fair share of, um, you know, we have a punter in Rigoberto Sanchez right now in the NFL. Right. Uh, Matt McBriar was a great punter for the years for the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, Kaimi Fairbairn's from Hawaii, but where did he go? UCLA? Was it UCLA? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay, so that doesn't count. But he's but uh, University of Hawaii kickers, look at Jason Elam. I mean, in my mind, I still think he should be in the Hall of Fame. It's tough, but he's borderline uh, that he should be in the Hall of Fame. He had a great career. Definitely, definitely. And I think Jet Toner, who's from Punahou, went to right. Stanford. I believe he's in the SEC uh, playing football now. Too. Not Arkansas, obviously. I believe he moved down south, but he was at Stanford for a while. 
Oh, wow. Did he enter the um, This was last year. Last year he played for a different team, I, and I'm pretty sure it was an SEC school, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to definitely have to uh, check that out. Uh, everything on the Internet just says Stanford still. I wonder where he did go. And if you write, if you uh, if you um, Google Jet Toner, uh, a bunch of stuff comes out on printer, ink, and toner cartridges. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, HP Laser Jet Ink Toner at Best Buy. It's only eighty-five ninety-nine. There's your public service <laughs> announcement from all of us here at ESPN Honolulu. Think of the NIL deals for Jet. Yeah, there you go. Hey, we're going to give away uh, basketball tickets. Keep listening. We'll be back on ESPN Honolulu. Keep listening. We're giving away... Uh, Basketball tickets for the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic presented by the Hawaiian Islands. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, following uh, uh, stories we're following today, of course, Iolani Classic gets underway today and tomorrow at Iolani. And some real top-ranked mainland schools are coming. Uh, you have DeMath. If you follow high school basketball at all, you know, they've been a team that has come here a lot over the last couple of decades out of the Washington, D.C. area. And uh, you've got St. John Bosco playing defending champ St. Louis tonight, that broadcast with Josh Pacheco on CBS 1500. A lot of great mainland schools. And the Hawaii schools, what I love about this tournament, the one of the things I love, the Hawaii schools really play these mainland schools tough. Now, a lot of these games are going to be pretty decisive because of the size disparity, but the Hawaii schools never quit. They play them hard, and that's what you want. And, again, you'll see some future college and NBA stars this week at Iolani. All right, big day for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Well, it was against the Jets, but Kaimi Fairbairn is the hero of the world. He's this weekend's MVP. He uh, hit a field goal in coming off IR, hitting a field goal in overtime to lift the Houston Texans to a win. And you have him hero of the world? I, I yes. Mean, I think he's a hero of Houston, at least, right now. No, I'm not sure no, the Cowboys saying... fans and Indianapolis fans and Jacksonville fans are feeling that well. But he did do well. That's why they're not happy with him, because he did not miss yesterday, hit the game winner, as you said, and was a perfect 4-for-4, four four, didn't miss a beat, and the Texans are one of the biggest surprises in the NFL, and Kaimi Fairburn had definitely something to do with that. I think Tanner Hayworth called it a long time ago with D'Amico Ryans as a head coach. Good job, Tan. Uh, Marcus Mariota could be starting tonight. Uh, uh, Jalen Hurts has some kind of illness. He's flying to Seattle. This is on the road, right? Yeah. He's yes. flying to Seattle, but he's uh, he's not going with the team. He's going on his own. So it looks like it might be a start for Mariota and the Eagles tonight. Yeah, one of the reports I saw yesterday was that Jalen Hurts is not playing. It was on one of the tickers that I was watching, and now we're hearing questionable. You would think if you're Philadelphia, nothing against Marcus, but if you can go with Hurts, if he's healthy enough, you got to go with him because this is an important game for them. I, I think a lot of us would like to see what Marcus Mariota has, and it's been a long time since he started a game, probably more than a calendar year with Atlanta, but I'm hoping he does get the start for selfish reasons. I want to see what he does tonight on national TV. Mm. All right, we're following those. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to, uh, anyone saw the, uh, what is it, the PNC invitation or classic, whatever it is. But uh, Charlie Woods, we're watching Charlie Woods, Tiger's son, Charlie, grow up in front of our very own eyes. This dude is a full-grown man at 14 years old. Now, he's, I think, uh, you know, he's about 
you know, Jovan McClanahan looks down at him height-wise. But, boy, that guy can swing a golf club. What do you have, a 300-something, 321-yard drive or something like that? Uh, uh, unbelievable how talented this kid is. We're looking at the next Tiger Woods. We really are. And you know, and I know you've said it before, that's kind of tough pressure for any kid to follow in his superstar father's footsteps, like Bronny James maybe, but Michael Jordan's sons come to mind, and they were not nearly the same as MJ. Bronny James, people say, I don't, they're not comparing him to LeBron, but could be an NBA player and a good one. But for Tiger Woods' son, you would think he has it in his genes. And I guess, didn't I also see him? Well, he's got a pretty good coach. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Well, that's what, yeah. Yeah, but didn't didn't Tiger's daughter caddy for him on Saturday? Well, yeah, but a lot of wives and sisters and his stuff daughter, they're not well, real daughter. they're not real caddies. But yeah, his I daughter. Know, but I was kind a of lot cool of relatives do that. Steve Stricker picks one of his kids and they get to caddy on some of his uh, you know regular matches too. But uh, as far as Charlie Woods goes, I mean he's he's got you know he looks like Tiger Woods playing golf. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a, a kid is amazing. He's 14 years old. He's got he's he's packed on some muscle, and you can wait till he's. I'm really curious to see what he looks like next year in this tournament. Right, the fact that he's so young is kind of scary. That's kind of be a great story to follow. Hopefully, yeah. His uh, he helped, so he's like a freshman, right? He's 14, so you're a freshman in high school. Uh, he's a freshman in high school, and his team won the state championship. Probably rode on Charlie's back, but uh, anyway, a great story. Um, so he has a little attitude sometimes, but you know, it's you know, when you grow up never in need of anything, <laughs> maybe sometimes that's uh, that's uh, tough on a, someone's personality. But um, he is, you know, people absolutely love him. Now there's a little kid named Will McGee, and he's 11 or 12, I can't remember. That's Annika Sorumstan's son, and what a, he's like a ham. You know, he's he's ear to ear smile the entire time he's out there with his mom, and uh, you know they asked him. He was in an interview. They say, you know, who's your favorite golfer? And he's standing next to his mom. He doesn't say anything. He just turns his head and he looks up at her, and then he looks back at the camera. I'm going. This dude is like 11 or 12 years old. His mom is like just goo. I saw that picture. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, uh, I wanted to bring that up. It was uh, very, very entertaining, as it is every year. Uh, I enjoy watching the dailies, um, uh, watching that family play. Of course, uh, Justin Thomas and his dad. But anyway, oh, uh, congratulations, uh, Texas winning the national championship. A couple of Kamehameha alums, uh, Keone Leakana and Devin Kahahavai. I have to stop because I want to say Kahahavai Welch, but it's just <laughs> yeah. Devin Kahahavai uh, from Kamehameha on that national championship team. And that is pretty cool. I mean, if you're going to have a team other than Hawaii win the national championship, I'd like to see a team with Hawaii players on it. I know Pittsburgh, I believe, has two players from Hawaii on their team, and they went pretty deep into the tournament, at least the Elite si uh, Sweet 16, if not further. But it was pretty cool to see Texas do it again. And you don't really think of them as volleyball first, but maybe you should these days with the volleyball team is the only program winning national championships of late and it's two in a row which is even more special uh let's go to the uh, uh text line at 808-296-1420 uh text of the day right here regarding matthew shipley he says uh, the texter says don't know the kind of music shipley listens to but he i hope he likes a little rock <laughs> that's a good little one. rock arkansas i love that's it it's a chris hart type of joke 
All right, uh, Peter texts in, hey, guys, good morning. Do you know where Braden Shager ended up signing? I heard, uh, where is it? I heard we did good with some commits this weekend. Okay, so what do we know about Braden Shager? Well, he didn't commit yet. Nobody can sign until Wednesday, but he hasn't announced a commitment. There are rumors out there that he's gotten offers from BYU and Baylor. Uh, Tanner pointed us out to us earlier that Baylor just signed the Toledo quarterback, who was the MAC Player of the Year in the last day or two. So you would think that would eliminate Baylor. Of course, we heard the rumors on Thursday and Friday that maybe Braden Shaker was considering coming back to Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that was a big deal on Thursday and Friday. I know all the shows were really talking about it. I had mixed feelings on that. I don't know how much credibility there is to that, and maybe there is. Uh, I was a little surprised to hear it, but you don't always hear those kind of situations. But, I, I mean, for Mike, Mike Alejado, who people were saying was going to UNLV in a visit last week, it turned out to be an older picture. You wondered if maybe he would think differently if Shaker was coming back. And also the fact that I would expect Timmy Chang and his staff to sign another quarterback this week, or hope to, because Shager leaving, what does that do to that quarterback and their recruiting of somebody? You're well, keeping him in limbo if Shager is now deciding to do an about-face. Hey, you know what? I, I don't want to discount any of the quarterbacks we currently have on the roster. Sangapolutelli from Punahou. I mean, some of these other guys. We're automatically counting these guys out, True. and I don't think that's fair. Um, but uh, here's one for you, Tanner. They say, uh, what do you think of the early verbal commits, especially Alejado? How solid do you think he is with his comment? Are you there? He is now. Um, just just like how I feel about Mike Alejado? Uh, about, or all uh, of the official visits, all, Okay, about him, and then how solid do you think he is? Well, with Mike Alejado, this is the thing with high school quarterbacks. You can be an amazing high school quarterback and still, like, never make it in Division One college football. So there's sure. a lot of mystery towards it, but, I mean, you still have to look at his track record. I mean, he threw, like, no interceptions this year. He threw four last year, but also threw for, like, 53 touchdowns. So wow. when you look at his stats, they look amazing, but it's really hard to not overlook his height. Ha-ha, uh, he's short. Um, that's the joke there. But that would be the one major worry I would have about Michael Alejado is his size, but if he can play, you know, bigger than that, then that's great. But it's still a whole thing of whether or not he develops and learns this offense. But that's why he has made that decision to uh, en uh, enroll early, be here in January, so that he can get right. as much time as possible in this offense. So, hey, only time can tell. Hey, uh, Chris, uh, that text was from November 21st, by the way. <laughs> oh, I'm, what am I? Oh, that's weird. By the way, uh, Jet Toner... Uh, graduated uh, a long time ago. Gary, you were mentioning he transferred. Uh, he's He hasn't played professional football for like four years or college football. Uh, December 18th. Oh, okay. I was, I, it's a, uh, Peter has a string of, um, a string of texts. So anyway, it was good to bring that up again, I think. Uh, they say Alejado uploaded a picture of himself this past weekend with Coach Timmy and Coach uh, Brown. And he captioned it soon. He did, and that I don't know if it went viral. But I think a lot of fans were happy about that. Timmy Chang was uh, going to the mainland on Friday when he was on the Bobby Curran show at the airport calling in. So you know he wanted to seal that deal. And I believe Timmy went there two weeks ago when the transfer portal opened up to go talk to Mike Alejado and others as well. Uh, here's a text. 
and this is from today. If you watch the Bears game, the receivers drop two short touchdown passes. I didn't I don't see think the any game. Of us watched the Bears game. Yeah, I saw some highlights, and they also said the Bears were better than my Jets. That's not saying much, though. Hmm. Uh, let's see, 808-296-1420. The, uh, Craig texted in. Uh, I don't know what this is response to, but he says Juan, meaning Juan Munoz, teamed up with Harry to make two good inside baskets. He did. He was t- we were talking UH basketball an hour ago. We were talking about Juan Munoz, but he had some really good pick and roll where mm. Rulia Def would set that screen and roll to the basket. Nice separation from his defender. Juan found it with two beautiful passes to get those easy layups. That was a really good uh, play by both players, especially the pass, but even Harry rolling to the basket both times. There was one, and I don't remember who he threw it to. Um, uh, Jovan McClanahan was deep, deep into the paint. And then he kind of reached around the opposing player's leg and did a little bounce pass. Maybe it was Bernardo or Moore or somebody. I think it was Bernardo at that one. I, that was in the oh, first That, was, that was, beautiful. was beautiful. That was really nice. Right. Alan Popar uh, is back on the show to talk about the Dolphins. Uh, he's from alldolphins.com. Uh, that's coming up in a few minutes. Hey, I'll tell you what. Let's give away those tickets right now at 808-296-1420. If you would like to go to see the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic uh, this week, we've got tickets to all the games. Uh, you can call in now and be caller number three at 808-296-1420. And those tickets will belong to you. Uh, if you can't go to them all, you know, send them out to your friends. You can text them or email them out to your friends and neighbors and uh, spread the wealth. Uh, spread the Christmas cheer of some great basketball uh, coming up. So, uh, Alan Pupar, alldolphins.com. There's... Tyreek Hill was back yesterday, correct? No, no, he didn't play. Oh, wow. So that's a good sign. You know, because Tua, they were saying Tua without Tyreek Hill, and look at the loss they had. Well, they still didn't. You know, the Jets have a good defense. They do. You can't say they're playing against a lousy defense. That's true. That's a good point. The offense can expect nothing, but the defense is good. Right. So, they, you know, he puts up, you know, the the offense puts up 30. So that's kind of a better sign for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. But really what it, uh, I guess, is a sign for – after last week, if you're talking about MVP, people were saying it just goes to show you Tyreek Hill should be the MVP because yeah. look how they were without him, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. not so much yesterday. And Miami, I saw, will now have the toughest schedule down the stretch of any NFL yeah. team, which is – Right. It is, I mean, not, that's after yesterday because with yesterday they probably had the easiest schedule. But they it did. does get a lot tougher with Dallas coming in next Sunday. How many teams with winning records did they play, well, not they, beat, play? I'd have they to look only, it up. Oh, okay. I thought you were. Buffalo I would thought be, you had your thing out. Hold on. Let me find it here. The uh, Miami Dolphins. Kansas have, City and Philly, I know, are two, and Buffalo. Let's see. The, the Broncos have a winning record, and they beat them 70 to 20. <laughs> they don't have a winning record, though. They don't anymore? No, they're 7 oh. and 7. Oh, okay. So. Before yesterday, they had a winning. Anyway, but when I'm they trying played to find. Them, they, didn't. they lost to the Bills. Uh, they Kansas lost to City the Eagles. And Kansas City, I believe. They lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, all the other teams they beat have uh, losing records. So they've had three, really three uh, games against, uh, you know, good teams. So now they've got an angry Cowboys team. They've got the Ravens, who I think are going to win the Super Bowl. 
Then they got the Bills again, who have been hot of late, and that's how they're going to finish their season. Wow. This buff, that Bills game, the last game of the season, really might come down to uh, a really important game. It's got to be. It's going to be one way or the other, whether it's for the division title or keeping Buffalo in the playoff, it's going to be that big of a deal. So, again, the, their whole stretch now is going to be tough for them, and they have to beat a team with a winning record if they want to win that division or it'll cost them probably. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, check your traffic here in a second. Weather-wise, today and tomorrow, partly cloudy, but gosh, on some of the islands, it looks like all clouds right now and some sprinkly dinklies here and there. High today, Oh, about 80, low tonight in the lower 70s. Uh, we'll be back with um, our Dolphins guest in a second. want to remind you that HCAP is the Hawaii Con- Concussion Awareness Management Program. Parents, coaches, and athletes, check out the website to learn more about recognizing concussion symptoms. In fact, Dr. Murata from HCAP is going to join us later in the show today. Check out the website hawaiiconcussion.com. We are going to talk some NFL right now. And, of course, the Miami Dolphins are pretty popular in Hawaii. We know why. And joining us now, he is the publisher of alldolphins.com. It's part of the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. Joining us is Alan Pupar. Alan, great to have you on again. How's everything going down south? Everything's going well. Why are the Dolphins popular in Hawaii? I'm curious. Um, I can give you two reasons if you'd like, but uh, yeah, two uh, or I lower. I see what you did there. Okay. I tried. I, I, you, did I tried. you know what's interesting about the Dolphins? A lot of things, but usually with a team, let's say in college or the pros, sometimes you got to wait to see the identity of a team, how good this team is, and it takes a few games and a lot of sports to figure that out. I'm still thinking about Miami at 10-4 and four, that I'm still not totally sure or sold, even though I think they've got a really good chance to go all the way, but the fact that they haven't beaten any Anybody with a winning record still stands out. How do you address that? Uh, no, you kind of hit it right on the head. Uh, they have looked really impressive, Super Bowl caliber at several times during the season. And yet, I don't want if you want to call it a cloud or whatever, that fact's still out there. They have not beaten a team with a winning record. Denver is the closest, and Denver is seven and seven. And even then, Denver, when they played at Hard Rock Stadium in week three, wasn't anywhere the team they are now, even though they're not a great team now. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like we think they're very good, but they still need to show how good, and that's they're going to get three opportunities now because clearly they haven't had a, that difficult a schedule so far, but their three-game season-ending stretch by opponent record is the toughest in the NFL. Yeah, so, the, I mean, right now they have the second-best record in the AFC, leading the AFC East, of course, at 10-4. and four. But I, I don't know how those games are going to play out. I know Dallas this week is not as good on the road as they are at home, but they're still Dallas right now. That's not going to be – it's not the New York Jets showing up like yesterday. So that's going to be tough. And I have a feeling that season-ending game at Buffalo will determine – if nothing else, a playoff spot for Buffalo, maybe, and even where each team figures to st- uh, play out in the standings as far as their seeds as well, that's going to be an enormous game. Yeah, and it, it's entirely possible it could wind up deciding the AFC's title because right now the Dolphins' magic number is two, 
they can't do it. I mean, and that doesn't include the season finale because it's against Buffalo, where no matter what, if they beat Buffalo in Week 18 in Miami, they win the AFC's title. But before then, the only way the Dolphins close it out is any combination of, of two either Dolphin wins, Buffalo losses, well, Buffalo's next two games are at the Chargers and at home against New England. So good luck counting on that. That means the Dolphins, under the scenario where the Bills go to anyone in those two games, would have to beat both the Cowboys on Sunday and then win at Baltimore on New Year's Eve, which is no small task. It's going to be tough. We're talking Miami Dolphins football with Alan Popard joining us on ESPN Honolulu. We were talking earlier in the show, Alan, I want to get your response to this. Is You know, before Tyreek Hill went down, people were saying maybe Tyreek Hill is the MVP of this team, and we saw how they struggled on Monday Night Football when Tyreek didn't play the entire game. Yesterday, no Tyreek at all, but Tua Tagovailoa had a really good game. I mean, barely had any incompletion. I thought he did a terrific job. What does that say about Tua Tagovailoa? No, that he's having a great MVP caliber season. And no, I, I certainly never said otherwise. I don't think anybody else said otherwise. I think a lot of, of their fans get in their feelings when folks, including myself, suggest that Tyreek Hill should be the Dolphin MVP and the Dolphin MVP candidate, the, for the top Dolphin MVP candidate. It's not a reflection on, on, on Tua in the least. I think Tua absolutely belongs in the MVP conversation. Um. And, and I think in the totality of things, again, depending obviously depending on how things play out at the end of the year, what Tyreek Hill was doing before he he, he was sidelined yesterday was like on the on a pace to be historic. And the question is, who's the one who makes the offense go or what it is at its best? And you can we can debate that all all we want. I still say it's Tyreek. If Tua winds up being MVP, I don't have a major issue with that. He's had a great year, again, depending on how things close out. And it's the same conversation you can have in San Francisco where because it's such a quarterback-centric award, Brock Purdy may very well wind up winning NFL MVP where I would make the argument Christian McCaffrey should be the, the candidate there. Do you think with Tyree Kill and Tua Tungavailoa that there's a chance they could offset each other with the votes being split somewhat and that maybe people that follow Miami will have a different take on who the MVP is and that could cost either one of them? Yeah, that's a, that's a valid argument. Um, no, absolutely, because I, I think, for example, if you look at it, guys outside, and, and you, we could have the same thing happening with the 49ers, but if you look at other teams, for, other candidates, for example, like Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, he's the clear-cut guy there, no question. Right, right. And if you look at Buffalo, if Josh Allen, you know, if the Bills continue their late-season surge, Josh Allen is going to be the guy in Buffalo. In Miami, it's Tua Tyreek. In San Francisco, it's Purdy McCaffrey. So could it wind up playing a, a factor in it? Absolutely. But I think we need to see how things play out and how the Dolphins finish out their season. One thing that I think a lot of us are curious about, again, going back to the Monday night game, is that they were missing three starting offensive linemen. I think a fourth had a shift uh, during that game. What is the status of their offensive line? Because I think when you look at Miami, they don't have many weaknesses, uh, but the offensive line is critical, obviously, if you want to go deep into January. Yeah, it's majorly banged up, and it's even the guys who are playing pretty much are banged up as well. And the one guy who had started every game all season was right tackle Austin Jackson. Well, he's started last yesterday despite being listed as questionable on the final injury report with an oblique injury and then he left the game 
after I think it's 29 snaps after aggravating the injury. So now he becomes a question mark to add on to Teron Armstead, who's been playing banged up. Right guard Robert Hunt missed the last uh, three, maybe four games with a nasty hamstring injury. Their center, Connor Williams, just went on IR. Their left guard, Isaiah Wynn, has been on IR for a long time. And you've got to back up at that position. So, yeah, it's they're basically making do. Uh, and this is where the, the construct of their offense, relying on a lot of quick throws, really benefits the offensive line because for the most part, they don't have to hold their, box, their blocks and, and hold up in pass protection nearly as much as teams that – you know, like their quarterbacks to hold the ball and go downfield a lot. Hey, Alan, one question before we let you go. I know we're talking about this season. There's a lot to be determined because of the three regular season games and their opponents and the playoffs. But what do you think the status of Tua Tagovailoa's next contract is right now as far as what Miami might offer for him? Uh, here's what I've said. If he finish out the season the way he has played so far, and closes it strong. I think I think the time will, will have come where the Dolphins are going to sit down and sign him to a long-term contract contract extension. What that's going to look like, um, not quite sure. Again, depends on exactly how well it finishes off. If things go south in the final three games, the Dolphins have two on their contract for, with the fifth-year option for 2024. And if they wanted to go that route, they still have the option of franchise tagging him in 2025. Um but let's think positive. He closed out with a bang. He said that long-term contract extension, and it's not going to be cheap. Yeah, I mean, if Daniel Jones is making $40 million, I think Tua deserves like $70 million. I know he won't get quite that, <laughs> but with that comparison. It's going to be an interesting three weeks. Hopefully Miami will be playing in January. We'll have our eyes on them. And, Alan, we always appreciate you joining the show and talking Dolphins football with us. Thank you, and happy holidays. Well, thank you, and happy holidays to you guys as well. All right, thank you so much. Alan Popart joining us here on ESPN Honolulu, publisher of alldolphins.com. And, yeah, Miami with that tough schedule, uh, that's going to be tough for them to still remain in that top spot in the AFC, but it's going to be fun watching how that plays out. What's alldolphins.com? It's a website on Sports Illustrated's Foundation Network. They have a section, like, for a lot of different teams, and they'll have somebody Uh cover the teams around the NFL and right there on their website for – all right, I'm, I'm, check it out, check it out, Dolphin fans. Uh, you know, I what's the guy? What's you were talking about, Daniel Jones, and uh, what's the quarterback for the Giants now? What's the, what's the guy DeVito's first Tom, name? Tommy, Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito. I want Tommy DeVito to get forty million dollars. Maybe not That's after awesome. yesterday, but it's a great story, and I hope they keep him for next year. Get rid of Daniel Jones, save the money, and keep Tommy Cutlets. <laughs> Coming up on ESPN Honolulu, uh, we're going to talk with uh, Dr. Nathan Murata from the uh, University of Hawaii. Uh, got a couple of uh, a little bit of information on concussions that you need to know about, and a new uh, football helmet program they've got coming up. And then we'll take more texts at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. Hey, don't forget you can play pigskin picks and win money from ESPN Honolulu and M Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. Go to our website and win right now, ESPNHonolulu.com. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. As you just heard, one of our sponsors for the Sports Animals in the Morning, uh, HCAP. Uh, Check out the website, HawaiiConcussion.com, and I think you're going to really want to do that, especially... After we talk to our next guest, uh, back on the radio again, 
He is the uh, he is. Oh wait, oh this is really. Oh wait, where is it? He is. Uh, okay, I'm finding all of the titles that Doctor Murata has. Uh, Nathan Murata, Ph.D., is the dean of college education at the University of Hawaii at Manoa, and a professor and graduate chair of the college's Department of Kinesiology and Rehabilitation Science. Uh, the pride of St. Louis School. Ladies and gentlemen, Nate Murata. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Gary. <laughs> Chris, how are you doing? Happy holidays. Doing good. Doing good. Hey, uh, today, folks, we talk about it all the time. You've heard us uh, talk about HCAMP, the Hawaii Concur- Concussion yes. Awareness Management Program. And what is your, first of all, before we get into something that you guys are doing with the high schools, which is very cool. What is your guy's mission? If someone says, hey, what, what, what do you have this website for? Well, I think we have, we put up this website a while ago and uh, primarily to look at um, uh, providing the um, state of Hawaii students, uh, K-12 students, and the recreational uh, families the opportunity to learn about the uh, impact of concussions and the, you know, the potential dangers of concussions if it's not properly addressed. And uh, so we started this back in 2010, and, and we gradually have expanded uh, to include not only uh, football, but recreational um, youth sports, and we're even at the middle schools now. So we're trying to expand to just get the word out uh, so that people are well aware of the importance of, of concussions and what to do when you suspect you have one. You know, it, it's, and I think you guys have, have really made an impact already. Because this is this is the go-to place when you want to talk about concussions. I was at a girls' basketball game at Iea uh, High School on Friday night, and uh, one of the girls is going for uh, you know they were fighting over the ball, um, you know kind of jump ball situation, and one of the girls fell back and hit her head on the floor, and it wasn't extremely hard or anything like that, but um, everybody stopped and was very quiet trainers rushed out right away it wasn't like oh she you know in the old days would say oh you bonk your head uh i think that you know the people because of what you guys do people are so much more aware of this and you know the the attention that she got and the attention after the game uh was very 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 serious and last time we talked nate you were mentioning this happens more and more with like little kids yes Little kids, and you don't—you really don't even have to hit your head to get a concussion. That's so, right. uh, you know, there's a lot of ways, and I mean, we're we're very fortunate to hear uh, a lot of the progress that schools are make are making because we feel very good about the fact that we've had, you know, a little bit to do with some of the success that high schools are having, particularly with the athletic trainers. So we're very fortunate in that respect. And so now, while the high schools have these trainers, we're trying to pivot a little bit to look at the youth sports where they don't have the luxuries of having trainers mm. out there mm. too. So that's where we're kind of shifting a little bit. And, uh, and then we're, we're trying to do a little bit more of some more scientific uh, uh, research with regard to uh, our high school football programs too, to really right. have some validation of what, mm. what really is happening in particular at the high school uh, football programs. Okay. And that kind of transitions into the hut 808. It's uh, helmetless tackling training and you're yes. working with some high schools like you said first of all what is hut 808 uh, hut 808 is actually a, a helmet tackling 
a technique that was established uh, with my colleague uh, Eric Schwartz out on the west on the east coast. And um, collectively, what happened through the the Gary Gallagher Foundation or the GOG Foundation, we were able to connect uh, together, Eric Eric and I and 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 H Camp, uh, and then to start to look at uh, where we can really make a significant contribution, more immediate contribution, particularly with football, because uh, Gary Gallagher, uh, the, the the Hawaii attorney who uh, passed unexpectedly, his mm-hmm. uh, legacy was wanting to do some neurotrauma work. And so basically what we're doing is carrying that on. And uh, we were able to look at uh, several high schools uh, where the foundation was gracious enough to support us to purchase helmets, specialized helmets, these sensors, uh, and we were able to monitor during practice and games the amount of head impacts that a student or an athlete might uh, sustain uh, throughout the course of the season. We found so you that guys, very helpful. Right. So you guys take this science back to the yeah. lab, so to speak, and kind yeah. of uh, e- evaluate it. And this has been going on since when? For the last couple of years? Yeah, right, right before, yeah, right before the uh, right before the pandemic. And then the pandemic sort of shut us down for about a year or so. Right. But we started right before the pandemic. And, you know, Chris, as you talk about our lab, our lab is actually the football field. Uh, you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Kids, that's our laboratory. And we were able to get some really good data, uh, you know, and, and trainers were able to realize, you know, during practices and even coaches, if, a, if, a, if an athlete was getting a little bit too much of these head impacts, mm-hmm. repetitive head impacts that, that uh, may cause some concern. So, in real time, you were actually able to get some data. And so, so we were what, able to determine different positions and amount of head impacts and all. So. Oh, that's interesting. So with, the, so with this um, helmetless tackling training, so basically yes. what they're doing is they're taking, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes or whatever a day yes. uh, during yes. practice saying take off the helmet and let's work on right. tackling without the helmet. So then that's, I guess it gets into you, you know, you're um, – you know, it's it's so the subconsciously when you're out there, yeah, correct. when you're out there playing, you're not tackling yes. with your helmet. That's correct. That's the theory behind this particular training. So after they do, after we did one season of baseline where nothing happened, the the following year we did intervention, and that's when we brought in our colleagues from the main from the continent to come over to work with us and work with our coaches here, and then several of those schools then started to implement this. This, this, uh, this intervention, if you will. And mm-hmm. what we found is really, I mean, in a nutshell, what we found is those that implemented the intervention over the course of the season uh, significantly reduced the amount of repetitive head impacts across the entire season. From wow, that's a, that is unbelievable. Cal Lee's yeah. helping you guys out, too? He's kind of uh, helping Cal out? Cal was initially, Coach Lee, Coach Cal was part of it way back in the day before he decided to uh, uh, call it, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All of the day, um, but we've got Kalani High School that was really, really exceptional with this, and Roosevelt was part of it. Uh, Pac Five started with us, and then due to the pandemic, was not able to continue for whatever reason, and so we've got ended up with Roosevelt and and Kalani, and we were very fortunate through the GOG Foundation to support them with all these helmets of which the schools are, of which the schools can keep. Oh. Wow, and, and basically, great. all we're doing is monitoring what we're doing here. So. Yeah, we've got a lot of information, a lot of good information uh, that we'd love to share. And hopefully in the very near future, uh, we've got the research team that's able to produce this out in 
scientific professional papers where we can start to get the uh, the word out, not only to the state of Hawaii, but to to others uh, nationally and inter- even internationally. So that's Amazing. the goal. Amazing work. Yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Murata, Nate, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll talk to you again oh, soon, but happy holidays, brother. Thank you, man. Take, take good care. See ya. All right, man. Aloha. All right. There he is, Nate Murata. Uh, yeah, St. Louis School. I, uh, Nate told me that he was going to get me an audience with Glenn Medeiros so that I could be <laughs> an honorary St. Louis that. graduate. It hasn't happened yet, but very soon I will be an honorary graduate. I can just feel it in my bones. Anyway, folks, the website again, hawaiiconcussion.com. Check that out. All right, hey, NFL football fans, hey, Marcus Mariota might be uh, starting today for the Philadelphia Eagles. You can catch the game at 8.50, Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl. In fact, we've got three more weeks of the regular season. they got the NFL package so you can see all the games. Check out the video wall and the great menu, too. That's 8.50, Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar in the Pearl City Shopping Center. We'll be right back with your texts at 808-296-1420. Be right back. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. You know what? It's the most wonderful weather of the year. I love this weather. I actually do, too. It was pouring this morning, though, really coming down hard. Oh, really? And the 96, what's your zip code? Well, 96797, but it was mainly over towards your deck of the woods, Pearl City, Iaea, and towards downtown. It was coming down really hard the rest of the ride, including just walking here in downtown. It was coming down really hard a little after six, yeah. I like this weather, too. Right on, right on. Hey, uh, folks, you can text in 808-296-1420. And... uh, I was. We were talking about Charlie Woods, Tiger's son. He's super awesome. And the person that said that Matthew Shipley, hope he likes a little rock, right? Yeah. He, he has another funny. He says he's referring to uh, Charlie Woods as Chuck. How much wood? Oh. Wait, how much wood could Chuck Woods chuck if Chuck Woods cut Chuck? I can't even, I can't even say it, read it, much less say it. Anyway, you know the, the yeah, old. Uh, that was a good one, though. Much, Here's a text here. Thank you guys for texting in. I'm excited about Micah Alejado and that he's enrolling early at UH. Tua did the same at Alabama. I also agree with Chris. Oh, I love this text. That we shouldn't write off the QBs currently on the team, especially Punahou's Sangapolutelli. Guys, I remember he had an arm, man. He had a rocket of an arm. Right, and probably still does. So I, I agree. I don't think we should <laughs> yeah. discount him. His arm strength went away. <laughs> uh, okay, oh, here's a good question you might know the answer to. Uh, for the Diamond Head Classic, I'm sure he means the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic presented by the Hawaiian Islands. Will UH play the night game whether they win or lose on Friday? Because we used to do that, but... Here's my question. You're saying yes, you're nodding yes, they will play the night game? I have the in front of me because I saw that text. Okay, so what do you consider the night game, 6 p.m. or 8 p.m.? Both. Or There's night two game, night games. Because they, they have two sessions, the day session and the night session. Right. So the night session on Friday, let's say Hawaii beats Portland on Thursday. They are scheduled to play in the semifinal at 6 p.m. on Friday. That will probably start around 6.30. If they were to lose on Thursday, they would still play Friday in the night session at 6 p.m. 
So they played either six or eight on Friday. Well, you just said six p.m. I think you can you you did a me. If they lose, they're going to play at eight o'clock. If they no, if they win, they play in the semifinal at eight p.m. on Friday. If they lose, oh, okay. they play. Okay, you at just six. said six. Or maybe six. It'll be at six thirty. I said it'll be the 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 um. No, no. You said six o'clock for both games. So if they win, they're going to play at what time? Okay, let me back up again because I want. Yeah, thank you. Okay, if they win on Thursday, they would play at six p.m. on Friday. Okay. okay. If they lose on Thursday, now if they lose, and I had this wrong, thank you. It would be eight o'clock on Friday if they lose. Sorry about that. Okay, so we just don't know what time it is yet. But it'll be six or eight. So right. It'll be at one of the night sessions. Yes. Yeah, sorry about that. Thank you for texting in, 808-296-1420. Uh, da, 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 da. The, um, this is interesting because I'm going to go on a little vacay here uh, for a little while. And I'm sure you, I, I think you do this every year, is you, you'll have your kind of sports stories of the year and, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. Here's one. It says the Hawaii sports story of the year, the Maui fire, it affected a lot of sports. That's interesting. Would you think of that as a – I mean, it affected a, a, a lot of basically life. It, it's affecting our economy right now. It's affecting tourism, which affects our economy, obviously. But uh, would you consider that a sports story? Well, the sports aspects of it, like Lahaina Luna football and some other teams and other sports as well, I would have to say it's the biggest story of the year because this is something, even though you don't want to celebrate, you're not celebrating it, but the way it impacted so many people and the state, not only now, but for years to come, it was a one-shot deal, the, I should say a deal with the wildfires that were so unfortunate, but I would have to say it's got to be the biggest sports story of the year. You know, one of the, the most feel-good stories of the year, as you mentioned it, is Lahaina Luna coming back, playing their uh, first football game, and dominating in it. You know, that was, that, was, that was pretty special. Going to the state championship on D1, they did lose it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just getting that far, yeah, that was an incredibly feel-good story. No matter what school you cheer for or went to, how could you not root for the Lunas? And, uh, yeah, I, I would have to say that's the biggest sports story of the year. There was a lot of them, but that has to stand out. Okay, uh, here's one from Sam. Sam is a big Colts fan. Uh, it says, Aloha, Chris. I know it's your Steelers, but it was great, in capitals, to pour on 30 on your team this past Saturday. Indy rolling at the right time. Let's go. Rigo and Defoe having big years. You know, Sam, I, you know what? That's, for, I don't know why. I love Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew just seems to be, Gardner Minshew to me should be a starting quarterback somewhere in the NFL. He's going to be the same thing as is um, uh, Fitzmagic, as uh, Matt. Wait, not Matthew Fitzpatrick. He's a golfer. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was a he was a great court. Not great. He was a very good quarterback for say the Buffalo Bills, mm. the New York Jets. For the most part. I mean, he got the name Fitzmagic. Overall, you know what? He'd be he'd be a top fifteen quarterback right now in the NFL if this was, say, five years ago. But everywhere he went, because I think he played, he did manage to play for every single NFL team out there, is he'd play for a year or two, and then they'd replace him with somebody. And a lot of times, it, I mean, he was the ultimate Band-Aid as a quarterback, yet he was always better than the guy that replaced him, it seems. Should he be or could he be comeback player of the year? Who? Ryan Gardner, Fitzpatrick? Gardner Minshew. <laughs> Gardner Minshew. Why? Would he be player of the comeback player of the year? 
I mean, from what he was. I thought that's year, when people got hurt and well, stuff. Well, I would also think the fact, I, I can't remember how much he played in 22, but if he didn't play a lot, and I don't remember if he started much, if at all, that year, mm-hmm. then maybe what he did this year, leading a team to a playoff run after the starter goes out, maybe. Yeah, to maybe. To be considered. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he, to me, he's one of the best backups of all these backups. Even yeah. talking about Tommy DeVito, or what do you call him, Tommy Cutlets? Yeah. yeah. So his mother makes the chicken cutlets all the time for him at home. Ah. Nice. All right, uh, we got to go. Uh, be back tomorrow. Sports Animals in the morning here on ESPN Honolulu. Keep listening to win more UH basketball tickets all day long here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM.